Hello, I'm Denise Erasmus. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap. This is a podcast in which I will tell you about some of the top articles from the latest edition of Farmers Weekly magazine. We also take a look at the week's biggest agricultural news stories. This week, I'm discussing the 4 September issue, which will be on shelf from Friday the 28th of August until the following Friday, 4 September. Our main feature articles this week include a report on the latest research conducted on nematode-resistant sweet potato cultivars. And we also have a profile about one of the earliest beneficiaries of South Africa's land reform program, who, after more than 20 years, is still struggling to get much-needed support from the state. In this week's livestock production feature, a number of experts give their advice on the many advantages of regularly weighing your livestock, how to record this information, and how to use it to make better management decisions. The Mswati Communal Property Association in Mpumalanga was one of the earliest beneficiaries of the new South African government's land reform program. However, more than 20 years later, the community is still struggling to get much-needed support from the state, support that would enable them to grow their farming businesses. According to 58-year-old Maria Mahakula, one of the members of the CPA, all the households that are members of this association and that are able to plough and work the land have farms allocated to them to establish small-scale farming businesses that supply local fruit and vegetable markets, supermarkets and informal vendors with seasonal produce. But one of the main challenges is that there is not enough water or sufficient irrigation infrastructure on the farm. Mahakula says they were promised 10 million rand by the Inkumati Usutu Catchment Management Agency to fix the water problems on the farm. But this hasn't happened yet. She says that when they got the land from government back in 1998, there was nothing on the farm. No irrigation, no fencing, and they had to start everything from scratch. She says that government spent a lot of money to buy the land, but not much was invested afterwards to ensure that the new owners would be able to profitably farm the land. With the profits they've made, the community has tried to work together and to buy equipment. They've installed small water pumps for irrigation, for example, but there's never been enough money for bigger investments. Mahakula believes that with more support, a lot more can be done to scale up what the community is doing now. She says they can only do as much work as possible on their own, but if government doesn't support them by providing services and infrastructure, such as irrigation canals, then it becomes very difficult to progress beyond a certain point. In an effort to fully realize the potential of the land they have available, the community approached the Vumilana Advisory Fund in 2018 to support them in soliciting a commercial private sector operator to partner with in redeveloping the farm. Vumilana has since negotiated on behalf of the CPA for a section of the property to be used for a 23-year lease agreement with a local agriculture company. The company plans to invest about 30 million rand 
in cultivating crops and in rehabilitating the farm infrastructure. In exchange, the CPA will receive rental income and the new farming activities will create 75 permanent jobs for the community. The project has however not yet come off the ground because a solar power system that was installed by the investor was stolen, prompting the need for a better security system to be put in place before further investment can be made. Globally, root knot nematodes, together with reniform nematodes, are responsible for sweet potato crop losses of more than 45 billion per year. According to researchers from the Agricultural Research Council and the University of Limpopo, in South Africa, the root knot nematode, the cyst nematode, and the lesion nematode are considered the most economically and scientifically important nematode species. Most of the synthetic nematicides that were previously used to control nematodes are currently banned, which has necessitated the development of alternative management strategies, such as the use of crop rotation and the planting of resistant cultivars. The researchers write in the article featured in this week's magazine, that trial plantings have shown that sweet potato cultivars Bosbok and Mvuvelo are non-hosts to root knot nematodes and therefore a good option for farmers wanting alternative solutions to nematode problems. On to the last feature that I will discuss today. Technological advances is making it easier to regularly weigh livestock and to use this information to influence future herd management decisions. In this issue's livestock production feature, Dr. Carl Miller, a research associate at the Salambosch University, writes that weighing cows regularly has a number of benefits. First of all, he says, it allows farmers to keep track of what is happening with individual animals in reference with the rest of the group. Animals showing a sudden deviation in weight, for example, might be getting ill. Miller advises farmers to weigh heifers as soon as possible after birth and at least once a month thereafter. In this way, their growth rate can be tracked to adapt the feeding program when heifers are below or above breed live weight norms. The weighing of feed and cattle may also be used to aid the selection of animals. Miller explains that the bigger is better culture has developed in South Africa and this has been fostered by livestock shows where larger animals, particularly dairy cows, generally end up being crowned champions in their classes. Unfortunately, he says, when milk yield does not increase in relation with size, these large animals are not as efficient as smaller cows because of higher maintenance requirements. Large cows are also more difficult to manage and prone to injuries. But, he says, it's not that simple to replace the large cows with smaller cows, as large, older cows still produce more milk than a small first lactation cow. Breeding for smaller cows without forfeiting milk yield is a challenge, as there is positive correlation between milk yield and live weight. Dr. Brink van Seyl, head of the Department of Animal Sciences at the University of Stellenbosch, echoes Dr. Miller's sentiments about breeding for efficiency rather than size. He says that production in South Africa is characterized by huge variation in efficiencies. Farmers tend to look at the big animals, says Dr. Van Sale, 
the cow that produces 60 kilograms of milk a day but needs to be fed 30 kilograms of dry matter a day to maintain that output. The same is happening with meat animals. While instead, he says, farmers should be looking for animals that is producing the most output with the least input. Dr. Van Sale says that weighing within 24 hours after birth might help identify birth problems, such as animals that are small and might need additional care, or animals that are really heavy. The breeder might then use a heavy breeding weight as a flag to use lighter sires or specific females to prevent future potential birthing problems. Let's now quickly look at some of the top news from the 4 September issue and from our website. There are large gaps in the available agricultural production data, particularly when it comes to the contribution of smallholder farmers to the informal agricultural economy in South Africa. A broad, coordinated effort was therefore needed to gain the necessary insight into the sector. This was according to the Managing Director of the Bureau for Food and Agricultural Policy, Professor Fadi Mayer. During the recent launch of the Bureau's Baseline Agricultural Outlook for 2020 to 2029, Mayer said that government, the public sector, the agriculture sector and researchers needed to collaborate to unpack and truly understand the informal farming sector. He referred to a study recently undertaken for the South African Pork Producers Organization, which estimated that the total informal pig herd comprised about 193,000 animals. According to conservative reproduction estimates, the estimated stock value of the informal pig herd is 1.2 billion rand, generating an income equivalent to 29,500 livelihoods. Previous studies that attempted to quantify the value of agricultural contributions in the informal sector as a whole estimated it at 13 billion rand. Mayer said the data on the informal sector was important when it came to policy development, and it was particularly relevant in the current planning phase associated with the development of the Agricultural and Agro-Processing Master Plan. Earlier this week, in the controversial case about the live export of sheep from South Africa to the Middle East, Judge A.J. Ducada ruled against the NSPCA, an ordered Kuwait headquartered company Almawashi and its fellow respondents cited by the NSPCA to proceed with activities to export the 56,000 sheep currently held at the Castledale feedlot. The Red Meat Producers Organization of South Africa welcomed this judgment by the Grahamstown High Court. The sheep have been held for months at an Eastern Cape feedlot pending the outcome of the NSPCA's legal bid to achieve a permanent ban on livestock exports by sea from South Africa. Judge Ducada also ordered the respondents to strictly adhere to all of the World Organization for Animal Health's prescripts for the humane handling and transport of sheep. Ducada specifically tasked animal health and welfare officials from the South African Department of Agriculture to ensure that the prescripts were met. Harat Skitter, CEO of the RPO, said that Ducata's judgment was good news for South Africa's red meat industry. He said the opportunities generated by this trade in the future can make a meaningful change for farmers at ground level in terms of demand for sheep in the Middle East.
Omawashi South Africa also welcomed the judgment, but clarified that it pertained only to the imminent shipment of the 56,000 sheep currently held for export, and that the NSPCA was still pursuing a permanent ban on any further livestock exports by sea from South Africa. And then the last news story for today. Field trials have started for the world's largest agricultural robot called the Field Scanalyzer. The robot is being tested in the Arizona desert in the U.S., where it sends 10 terabytes of data per day to the research center's computers for analysis. The field scanalyzer is busy growing about one hectare of crops, including sorghum, lettuce, and wheat. A research team comprising plant scientists, computer experts, and more described the 30-ton robot as a platform that can produce a detailed description of canopy development across the crop's entire life cycle with a high degree of accuracy and reproducibility. The project was originally funded by the U.S. government and the robot has a total footprint roughly equal in size to a football field, measuring 21 meters high, 28 meters wide and 366 meters long. Its tall metal structure supports a motorized measuring platform with multiple sensors, and it is capable of monitoring crops within a 15 meter by 120 meter area. It is also fully automated and able to operate 24 hours a day throughout the year. The robot facilitates data collection through sensors that simultaneously and non-destructively analyzes plant growth, morphology, and physiology and the data obtained provides a detailed report about the plant's growth and vigor. The robot was designed to cope in harsh environments and could handle high sampling frequency and accuracy, the researchers said. That was it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weekly Wrap. Join me again next week when I will be discussing some of the features from the 11th September issue in which we have a special focus on the future of livestock auctions in South Africa. Digital technologies are revolutionizing auctions, resulting in better exposure for sellers and a broader purchasing base for buyers. But more about that next week. In the meantime, remember to follow us on social media for all the latest farming news updates. We are on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Farmers Weekly SA. Until next week, stay safe and happy farming.